My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her, I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road. I feel so. Patriots. And today is January 8th in the year 2024. We're going to start real quickly here with a prayer this morning. It's a little bit out of order, but Brad Miller, who has been kind of the point on this, the the letter of the 231 signatures to call for accountability within the military. He's actually getting ready to go on Tucker Carlson right now, which is a huge deal. Tucker Carlson's reach and view is significant. We did a uh, we did a long call yesterday. The group, core group of us working through just discussions of the letter and helping Brad prepare for the show. 
So um, if you'll join me, let's let's join in a prayer for Brad. He'll he's like I said, he's entering into that interview here very shortly, if not right now. So Father God, I just want to ask for a blessing over Brad Miller, who has been the point on the point of this letter of the two thirty one, calling for accountability for the military for the crimes that they have executed against the soldiers, but as a greater statement, accountability in a nation of leadership that has betrayed its people. So Father, our blessing, our prayer for blessing this morning is that the words that he needs to speak will not be those just for the military, but will be those that will bridge into the greater nation to real, have the nation realize that in this moment and in this hour, it's time to stand up. It's time to come together as one to get past the differences and divisions that these leaders have done and effectively tried to build and establish as permanent to have those boundaries, those barriers, those resistance things that we have in our hearts fall apart and us to be looking at each other now as men and women of a, of a common God, you, Father, you as our single Father. Forgive us for the division that we have in this nation and forgive us for the paths that we have taken that has turned our eyes away from you. But let today be an anointed day, a day where as this message is put together and if, when this message eventually airs, whenever that is, if it's a week or more ahead, let that message carry a great, great anointing of clarity and unity in the hearts of America and in the hearts of the world to have us understand the importance of this hour, of this letter, the significance of asking for accountability under the law of America our military peacefully and lawfully is a walk of forgiveness with accountability. It's a walk of love with accountability, that this is truly the walk of you, Father. We don't approach this with hate and malice in our heart, but rather with the justice of kingdom that shines a path ahead. And let us reach to our fellow man and love our fellow man. And let us, as you love, let us you love. As you hate, let us, let us hate as you hate. And truly, let us walk in that scriptural place that our enemies, and while we pray for our enemies, we pray that our enemies will see the light to come to Jesus, will have the wisdom placed upon their heart, turn away from their wicked ways, and to understand to whom they really do serve, not this foolishness that they think will perpetuate their lives in the material world, but now an accountability to the courts of heaven for all that they do. So allow this day, Father, this preparation, this the, the prepping of Brad Miller's heart be significant, one of profound change that he speaks into an interview that will resonate and carry across the globe. Let him be that voice now where people look to as a former battalion commander for 101st Airborne who is now a battalion commander for the world. Let it bless him and guide him in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's a Big deal this morning, and I, I don't kid you. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for Brad. I'm excited for all of us, and meaning signatories and America, because this is a point in time where there is a voice now speaking very clearly that enough is enough. And the most important part about this is that we maintain that place of loving, peaceful forgiveness. Very difficult line to hold because in that we all have a desire. <laughs> if you think I don't, you'd be fooling yourself to uh, find some other means to get to an endpoint. And that isn't our goal. And our goal here is to literally raise up a nation 
or in a nation to unify and to come together in a beautiful way that stands as one, embracing our God, the one God, the true God, the God of hosts, to say we are here with you. We place our hearts with one another. We unite in the body of Christ. We pray with one another. We separate, we cast aside our separations and divisions that are so significant and become so endemic. Even an ability to see each other past the church walls. I'm a Baptist, I'm a, I'm a Methodist, I'm a, all of this nonsense. I don't know if you remember, we had really um, great guest on some time ago, and it was uh, John Frankman. Um, and why he was important is um, John was a Special Forces veteran. He came on, and he was Catholic. And he mentioned to me the other day, he said he was a little nervous coming on the show as Catholic. And I said, why? I said, we're all united in the body of Christ. And he's a follower of Jesus. I mean, he was one that stood up in the vax of the vax to literally stand up because it had fetal cells in it. And that's how he fought his fight and to not have to take it and ultimately had to leave the military. It's a difficult path. These, these are people that gave up careers. Not that anybody out here didn't, but I think this is where the impact of the reality where all sides are meeting on equal playing field now, because Americans have suffered a great deal. And in the military, that was there was an isolation a, 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 that we didn't see what was going on in there. And it felt for quite some time as if we were fighting this fight alone. Because quietly within the ranks, there was developing this horrific attitude towards soldiers that quite literally these people would be subject to whatever directives and dictates that could be generated out of the puzzle palace in, Pen in the Pentagon to force them to take this injection. And I don't think what a lot of people know is that the original mandate in the, in the Department of Defense was approved based on a, another drug. I think it's called comidity. It's, it, was a, it was a shot that was approved by the FDA, and it was produced in Germany, but it could not be mass produced. So they did a bait and switch. They approved one shot that has been tested and approved by the FDA. And the minute they got the approval, they switched in and placed the mRNA shot and forced that one on the soldiers. There's a lot of issues here of illegality and, and uh, obviously a lack of moral character. It's significant, and it's something that our nation right now needs strong moral character. It's not something that we have. And this moment right now is my hope that the nation is, and it's more than a hope because I know that it will happen. I think what's happening here most clearly is that the, the, the country is feeling and desiring the need of strong leadership. And I'm not talking presidential. I'm just talking about leadership in general. And the beauty of the 231 is we're beginning to see that leadership emerge in places we didn't expect. Brad Miller is one. He's, he was at Bards Fest, if you remember. It's an honor to know him and to get to know him. So please keep your prayers up for him through the day and, and the rest of those on the group. I say this always with a little bit of hesitation because, because of the fact I'm on that letter. I think that I, I have this sense of saying, like, you'll hear me say this in ways. So please hear my heart. 
that was an unexpected series of events. I, I'm in these groups. I am obviously a veteran. I am have a strong voice and opinion on moral justice in this nation. And I see my voice as an extension of what God puts on my heart, and I see this entire Bard's nation as God's hand. So it's it's difficult at times for me to to call for prayers for the 231. It'd be easier if I wasn't on the list because I would say, let's pray for them. So Because it's kind of like calling prayers for myself. Um, my interest and my focus is on a core group of people, 231, that is ultimately was led by Commander Rob Green to organize and come together, who he himself is a strong Christian, who prays on his, everything he does in his command. And my greatest prayer is that as those with a praying heart come together, that we honor what the 231 represents, which is all of us in a nation with a, with a heart for God. And in praying, we, we, we revive that most important aspect as a nation is that we give our credit to victory to God in all things and that we lift him up and pray into our nation as one. And in so doing, raise up the 231 to a greater level it will raise up the nation into a greater level of all of us loving in the body of Christ. So it's a big, it's an important event. And I'm one thing I wanted to add, which you can make of this as you want. I'm going to, I have my interpretation. I'm going to give to you today. <laughs> Are you surprised? You shouldn't be because if I'm coming in with an idea, you probably know it's going to be, Oh boy, here we go. Not quite that bad, but buckle up. After the uh, letter went out, and it was, I believe, two days following. I, I could be, I'm not looking at it in the news article, but as I recall, um, Secretary of Defense Austin went into the hospital, into the ICU. And why I find this significant, and I was praying on this last night, and what I believe I was shown as what happened, and I'm, I'll leave it there, and this is where you can take this to prayer. And I don't think it's, I don't think the conclusion I'm drawing is anywhere out of the realm of, even in the realm of inappropriate. A letter was sent to the nation and to the Joint Chiefs of Staff and to the senior leadership in the military on at 4 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. on the 1st of January. That would have been Eastern time. That letter carried the names of 231 people in a statement to call for accountability. But most important about that letter is in one form or another, everybody on that letter was praying into change. And it was the person that led that, Rob Green, Commander Rob Green, has prayed into that letter, as have all the others, in their various forms. I'm not going to tell you that everybody's at the same place, but that's not how the body of Christ works. Everybody was praying into that, powerful people praying into that, myself included. And that letter was launched. And then collectively... The programs out here like our own we've prayed into that letter the important thing about the letter is the letter represents a that path where it's literally 1 corinthians 13 we are loving thy brother and we're not forgetting that we're not asking for violence we're asking for accountability that's the core of the letter which is the core of love by the way that's why i say all this accountability is at the core of love and as we pray into that love for a nation to hold to 
love our brothers and to even love those who've done us harm in the sense of now we need you to be held accountable so that you will now have the opportunity before God to change from your wicked ways. The response under the direction of Secretary of Defense Austin was to wage a cyber war against those that simply executed their God-given right, which was freedom of speech, First Amendment, established in our Declaration of Independence, and in, in waging that war against us, violated our common right that God gave us, which was all rights guaranteed by our Creator. So I don't find it by at all unexpected or even... Uh, even un, uh, shocking, I should say, that Secretary of Defense Austin, who is effectively ahead of all armed forces, ended up in the hospital in the ICU. And I will simply say that in prayer, it seemed pretty clear that God was sending a very powerful message to the other side, and I hope they're listening, that the game is up. And I think why, not, it's not I think, what makes this so significant for me, it's literally the 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 living and reality of we need to stand. Stand is not a passive action. When we look at this in scripture, it's not an action to simply sit there and go, okay, I'm going to wait, twiddle my fingers. <laughs> I always think like, because I hear this, I just need to stand. I just need to stand. It's like, no. Standing is standing in the face of an enemy that's charging you. Standing is in that shield wall where you're literally holding that shield arm to arm shoulder to shoulder and you're leaning in and you know that this attack is coming and they're coming in hard and they're going to hit hard and they're going to bash into you and they're going to knock you back, but you're holding still. And you are holding still to then begin this like phalanx march, which you can begin to stamp foot by foot, step by step. We're literally going into this place of pushing into this and walking together and stepping together and pushing and repelling that enemy back as God then works with us and through us and fights this fight to destroy the enemy. It's a united effort with God. So what's beautiful about that is that Secretary of Defense Austin got a little, like a little hors d'oeuvre sample, and I hope he's listening. I truly do. I hope that he is listening. I hope that that man repents, and we're going to pray for him today. Matter of fact, let's do that right now. Let's do that right now. And I think it's important because this is exemplary. I've said this many times. If we can find senior people in our military, senior people that are able to openly admit to their wicked ways and come to an acceptance of Jesus and seek repentance in the public space, the ripple effect on that in a nation would be profound. I say this also about America, which is a very unique nation, and I wish leadership would understand this. I truly do. We can endure a lot of things in this nation, and Americans are amazingly resilient. We have limits to our patience and limits to the level of crimes which we will tolerate. Probably one of the most abhorrent is that against children, and we are very... Uh, we are not very tolerant of people trying to take our guns. I wish it was more. I wish it was more like very intolerant of people corrupting our churches and pulpits, but I think we'll eventually get there. What leadership doesn't understand, and I speak this in as life into their hearts today, is that 
if you will come forward as a senior commander in the military and admit to your crimes and admit that you became subject to influences of others, that you executed illegal orders, that you were part of something that has caused you to violate your oath, if you will testify to that in public as part of your testimony before Christ, the majority of Americans will forgive. In fact, more than that, would celebrate. It doesn't mean that we'll celebrate you being a commander. We're going to want to have accountability for what you've done, what you have done, but we're going to want to see that accountability tempered for your courage for coming forward and speaking the truth. Because what this nation needs right now is strong leadership. And what we totally admit and walk with is that we look at Paul and we say, well, let's see, Paul beheaded Christians and then God called him on the road to Damascus. I mean, that's a talking about a pendulum swing. We just lack leadership with moral character. So before we pray for Secretary of Defense Austin, I want to read you this. This is from Brad Miller last night. He posted this on X. And there's a lot. If you're, I'm, I'm not, as you probably know, Bards FM is like forever banned on X because I called Jack Dorsey a pedophile a lot of times because he is, but that's okay. So I think that they got a little upset with me. So they always remind me because they still let me have my account, but it's inactive. So every time I sign on, <laughs> they always remind me. They're like, um, your account's banned for life with a little pop-up box. And I'm like, of course it's banned for life because you fools won't give it back to me because you got your panties in a wad because I spoke the truth and you didn't like it and now you're trying to hide it, which whatever. So that's all good. And someone says, just a tad, you remember, Nikki. <laughs> You remember how much uh, I spoke truth on Jack Dorsey. I, Jack Dorsey, I just want you to know something. I pray for you, and I hope that you'll come to Jesus for all the crimes you've done to children so that you can, you can have, enter the courts of heaven with a heart that has now at least accepted your sins and asked for forgiveness and repentance so that we can see you in heaven rather than burning in the lake of fire. I don't think being roasted in the lake of fire is a good thing. So let me read Brad Miller's post here on. There is a lot going on in X. That's why I'm telling you my point is. It says, if anyone can think of any general or admiral, one to four stars, anywhere in the active U.S. armed forces that openly resisted the COVID-19 injection mandate in any capacity during the time it was in effect, August 21 to January 23, and is still serving I'd like to know. My belief is that there that there are zero, period. And is, uh, it is also my belief that there were none who resisted or lost their careers over it. My belief is that everyone serving at the, the senior ranks went along with the unlawful mandate. If that's incorrect, let me know. Don't give me the name of someone who privately said something behind closed doors. Give me the name of any general or admiral who openly resisted the mandate. Don't tell me someone who retired in lieu of taking the shot. 
Tell me a single person at those ranks who didn't go along with the unlawful order and is either still serving or lost their career over it. I'm still looking for a single leader at those ranks who demonstrated courage with respect to the unlawful COVID injection mandate. Just give me one. I'd love to know. Brad Miller. I want you to let that settle in for a minute. Brad Miller, battalion commander for 101st Airborne. Former battalion commander, 101st Airborne. I've talked about this before. It, it, to these, the, that position, and I am, and for those of you that have not been in the military, and and military is steeped in history. It's a wonderful organization. We've created an incredible force that's steeped in history. That's all volunteer by nature. Doesn't rely on the draft. Has brought people in that truly want to serve their nation. Do I think that we could serve our nation better? Of course. Do I think that we can apply? the lessons from this time to create a greater and more robust military that serves its people as much as it tries to seek out enemies across the world? Absolutely. There's so many things that we can take lessons learned from this to reshape this military into the framework of a republic and a, a military by and for the people. I, everyone, I think, would agree with this in and out of, of uniform. But what's important is this is a still an organization that at its root has wonderful structure and command structure and truly has the ability to bring soldiers into a fight to empower them and to make great change in the environments they're in and always be victorious because of the ability to inspire adaptability and yet obedience to the greater mission. And it's, these are good lessons to take within our own structure of reviving the church. And I mean that. So, one of these great legacy places is 101st Airborne because of its, in particular, because of its legacy in World War II, which ironically, this if you remember, if you listen to the patent prayer, that prayer was about rain. Patton wanted to pray for rain. And when the time came and the Germans made their counterstrike, which I believe was December 19, could have been after that, right in that area, in and around there, they were making traction because we could not mobilize our air assets to support the ground troops, and it was all because of rain. But that the weather broke, and we were able to fly in thousands of aircraft to give air support to the men on the ground. And the unit that was most notorious for its victory, which is Bastogne, was 101st Airborne. It is also, if you've ever followed the story of a band of brothers, the band of brothers had an unprecedented moment in their history as they were mobilizing to go to war. There was a point when I believe it was under under 101st Airborne, there's Rockassons, that's one of the units. There's Kurahi, which is another. These are names. And I believe it was Kurahi, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Nonetheless, one of the elements under 101st Airborne, the men sat around and they looked at each other and they wrote letters to their command saying we will not we, re, we we will not function as non-commissioned officers in this military with this particular leader that is ahead of us and I'll I'll work on pulling that story up and we'll tell it on a show but just to give you a highlight of this why that's significant is there is a history in the military of not being blindly obedient of being highly obedient to the greater mission but to also not being obedient to fools and the hearts of fools 
And this is so important because um, Brad Miller comes from that legacy. And this is really when you sit and you look at this and you say, wow, of all the people in the world that God could have chose to be part of and appoint voice for all of this is a man that came up through West Point, which is our highest level of military colleges in the, in the nation. He then worked his career and became a battalion commander for 101st Airborne. Again, one of the most pristine positions in the entire military. So when Brad Miller speaks as a person who didn't get fired, a person who didn't, well, he was pushed out, That's not. but he didn't get, um, he didn't re he walk away from a fight. He stood into a fight to stand for the moral righteousness of a nation and a moral righteousness of his soldiers and the entire military. God has placed a man here that has all of the credentials to be able to talk into a nation and talk into the army and the greater military as a whole of a man that represents the true legacy and history of obedience, sacrifice, and following the righteous path. And it's incredible. This is really where you just, you just look at God's work in this and you say, wow, this is incredible. So I, I'm, I'm saying this because this to me, this entire change in direction, should I wanted to hit everybody's heart. We have prayed for what, three years? I've prayed a lot longer than that, trust me, to see the military awaken and come to the line. And we're, <clears throat> we are seeing it, and it's happening right now. And God is putting the right people in place so that as they step into that point, they understand very clearly that this is the people around them and the people in the higher-ups understand what the character and caliber is of these people coming out there coming at them. So we also need to continue to pray for Brad Miller to continue to be strengthened in his walk with Jesus. And um, I think that's important. Matter of fact, I have to get him a founder's Bible. It just reminds me. I'll get him one and we'll get him one soon. So this is really just an amazing time for me um, in my optic and why I'm sharing it with you because I want us all to share in it. It's an incredible time of God literally doing the shift and reminding us of truly where our mission is. Now with that, um, part of that greater commission, and I was going to, I'm looking for it, it's right here, hang on just a second, because it is uh, right there. I read this last night, I wanna read it again. And it's um, as I try to keep our scriptures flowing, and sometimes we're gonna repeat some of you heard last night's show, we did read this exact scripture, but I wanna read it again because I think it's very much at the heart of our fight and what we're trying to accomplish. And this is 1 Corinthians 13. And it begins, and by the way, I'm reading, uh, when I'm reading scripture these days with few exception, I'm I'm reading from Amplified. Now, that's not everything. I, I, um, I have been encouraged by some very good people around me to start listening to the Bible when I go to sleep. And so that's, that version is the New King James Version that I'm listening to because it's very hard to find an amplified or a uh, audio version, a good one. And I'm not saying it's not there, but I'm just saying it's very hard to find a good one with a good voice, not just a computer. This is a, that sort of voice. Something that has some resonance and some character to it. It's read by good voices other than New King James or King James. So I'm listening at night to New King Ching James, just so I'm kind of, this is all part of my commitment into the new year. 
and I'm on a fast pace of reading because God asked me to put on my heart that during this month, literally, not exaggerating, to read the Bible from front to back, which is a highly aggressive read of the Bible. And that's as God has said. I need you to read through it as if to get this marinated into my body and into my DNA again fully so that I can then spend the next the rest of the year going back through the Bible slowly. So I expect that in 2024, I will can say that I will have gone through the Bible three times in this year. One will be um, in audio version, one will and in, in that will be in New King, King James, and one will be in the version actually of NASB uh, 1995 because I'm reading the Founder's Bible. That's what I'm reading right now. And then uh, my greater study will be AMP, which will be um, like what I'm going to read here in a moment, which I, I actually love AMP. It's one of, it is my favorite version because it gives so much depth to the words. And so that's, um, I'm, I'm saying this also, I just hope this encourages others to try this sort of challenge if, if God puts it on your heart, but I don't can't see why God wouldn't. If you said, God, should I read the Bible quickly and read it again a second time in the year? I, I don't think God would be like, uh, no, don't do that. Probably not a good idea. That, that's like dumb. Of course he would. So, you know, it's just something to think about, to, to do a high-speed read. And when I say that, that means diligently sitting down and pushing through that Bible with, you know, reading as much as you can each day, consuming that very fast, not, not giving yourself the luxury of sitting with every word and every passage, which is a necessary step at some point. I'm not taking that away. But to get that word under your belt, again, refreshed fully from front to back, Genesis to Revelation, and bring that in. And what I love about the Founder's Bible as the one to read on this, it gives us the context of American history as we read through this. And as we do that, we're absorbing this in a, in a in kind of two layers as we go through, because the Founder's Bible allows for application of the word into our own history, which is so, such an important point, and then spend the remaining part of the year, uh, however long it takes you to do that. I'm hoping to accomplish this mission by the end of the month, this first one, this first read, if not sooner, and then to be able to sit, and I'll report back to you and give you accountability on this, trust me, and then to sit then with the rest of the year going through the scriptures again and reading and taking notes and getting that worked in and then reinforcing that at night and not just at night but instead of listening to music this is really my own shift instead of listening to music if you're going around working on your garden or you're in in the um, and of course I want you to listen to me again but not so much that you don't listen to the Bible use audio Bibles to reinforce the message throughout the day and to really start to marinate deep within the word. And these are just my suggestions, you know, and to really absorb this deeply. And that's a lot to take in and to, for us to get immersed because this is the foundation of our, of our weapon systems. This is how we are learning warfare. The greatest gift I think that God gave this channel outside of the channel itself was a name shift from Bards of War, which I love the name, but Bards FM because of its purpose and meaning. FM meaning field manual. And in field manual, we start to appreciate the Bible in a, in, from the military optic, which I come at this always. The Bible is the field manual for war against our enemy, and it really is. And we start to understand the richness of those words within the scriptures. That's, that's literally like putting 
gas on fire. It's fantastic. So let me, let me um, oh, I said we were going to do something first. We were going to pray for Secretary of Defense Austin. Let's do that first. Father God, I just want to pray into Secretary of Defense Austin, who has fallen ill in the ICU and has done so following the release of the letter and the call for accountability for his, his and others' egregious acts of violating his oath, of violating the tenets of this republic, of violating the tenets of his office, and in so doing, violating your word and your law. All rights were given to us by you, Father, the Creator. And so now he sits in ICU. What we pray for is a man that has now become a traitor in this nation for what he has done. He has been participant in crimes against humanity for what he has done, who has willfully and knowingly been participant in the elite strategy to destroy innocent lives in a heinous way, a way of using an injectable and a mandate to force it in to literally bring death and destruction to families that he then does not even allow the system to support but leaves them to suffer the consequences on their own. This man has pure evil in his in the influence of his heart. So, Father, today we're praying life into Secretary of Defense Austin and accountability, to breathe life and accountability into this man's heart that he comes to Jesus in this time, that he comes to in a realization and awakening. And Jesus, we ask that you can make yourself present and known before him to remind him of whom he truly serves and to hold this man accountable in this hour and have him face our king in the power of love that you can bring Jesus with this, to have him understand that he is loved, but he is also must in this hour stand up and give testimony to the heirs of his ways. Let him now become a voice of, trans, of incredible transformation. If Secretary of Defense Austin would come forth and embrace this letter and say, this is true, this is correct. I am, I am holding myself accountable for my own actions in this, that I will allow the legal offices of the military to investigate me, to, that I, of the crimes which I have done. While I hold my, the standard to myself, I shall hold the standard to others of equal measure. We pray these words into his heart. We pray these words into him, knowing very well, Father, that this is one of these critical places in our society that could shake a nation in the right direction to take what evil did and turn it to good by simply having the, the strength and the moral character given to him to spark that in him, to stand testimony to a nation and speak truth to power. And in so doing, transform a letter of 231 into the, one of the most significant change agents ever placed in a nation to transform the military and to transform the government and to awaken the people in one stroke. Father, the, you are the father of miracles, and what may seem impossible is not impossible to you. So our prayers today are to hear our prayers. We say this with a loving and forgiving heart, that we will see this man as other, as literally a voice of kingdom, if he can have these, if this moral courage to step up in this time. And with these prayers, we ask that his health be restored so that he can lead that fight that he can step in now in a mighty time where we need leadership, where whatever he was is no more, that this becomes his Damascus moment where he is literally called as Paul was called 
to turn his eyes away from his wicked ways and to place his eyes upon you, Lord. And in so doing, to raise up in this hour and lead a nation as it should be led for accountability and justice. And so we pray these things over him. We pray these things in him. We declare these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I will, I'm, this is like old Scott, new Scott, right? And I, I say this because I'm pretty sure most of us can agree, can see this. Not just, I mean, in ourselves is what I'm saying. There is a, a year ago, well, a little over a year ago, because God launched, this was the time a year ago that God was leading me in this transition to change some of the messaging here on the channel into this loving and forgiving heart, which we've talked about at length, and then the Balenciaga came and all this stuff. So that's another story for another day to remind you. It's all back there somewhere in the thousand episodes back or something. But it's so important that from coming from a, a warrior's accountability place in the past, the first thing I would want to see would be Austin swinging from a noose. And I, I have said it, and I will... For a man, if a man walks unaccountable to God, and those are the laws of the land, then yes, that's where ultimately he ends up, as long as it is a legal process, a legal process. But in the true sense of creating something great within kingdom, um, it is so important that we need to be praying into this man, as we will pray into, this is loving our enemies. Because when our enemies turn to Jesus and accept that pathway ahead, we destroy the enemy's rank and file. Destroy it. It's, it's fabulous. And something like this can literally shake the world. And this is God's way. And in God's way, it's not about the punitive, it's about the restoration. Now, God is a God of wrath, let's be clear. And this is why that phrase comes up, love what God loves, hate what God hates. God has, is a God of war. He's a God of wrath. But for his children and for those that seek his son that was sacrificed on the cross, that accept Christ within their heart, forgiveness is made. And so it's a point of pushing the enemy to such a degree that when we do our jobs, we do our jobs as the sons and daughters of the Most High that we step into this hour now and we speak up and we speak with the authority of kingdom, a compassion and a love for the person that stands before us to separate the sin from the sinner. That the sword that we wield is so great that we literally shred the enemy's control. There is nothing the enemy can do against us and it can try. The power of testimonies is another one. And I've walked this path now enough as God has led to give you testimonies of my own life, to walk you through journeys that, quite frankly, are pretty personal and uncomfortable at times. And we've seen, you, you see the effects too, because people, you can just see. I mean, trust me, people are tuning out like, dude, I don't want to hear any more about this. And it's like, God's led me to tell you, so whatever. But to tell these testimonies, what it does is it, re, it removes the enemy's ability to use it against you. And in the vulnerability of those moments as we give our testimonies and literally where much is given much is asked secretary of defense austin sits at the top of a nation over a military and influences both the civilian and the, and the military side much has been given therefore much would be asked and in that hour to give testimony if he would to 
to this nation in a profound way in the sense of this is what I have done and to be honest and true in his heart, to be the moral courage of a leader finally in this hour. I will, walk, I will look at his past and say, you are forgiven. I will so forgive him and I will so celebrate that man for literally doing the right thing and pray for him as we will pray for him to get there. But the support of a nation would be massive. It would not be easy. There's going to be many people that still want to throw stones. But that's back to that great parable or great story with Jesus standing between the accusers and the adulterers. And we would have to be our job as remnant if this event could happen in, in the glory of God. That we need to be speaking into others to remind them of our role as Christians. If someone is going to come to Jesus and confess their sins and do that before a nation to bring a nation back from the brink, this one man literally could change the nature of things in a, in a flash. The entire military would turn on, its, on a dime, would follow his command to now pursue investigations of commanders that violated their oath. He would be responsible for a complete change of command throughout the entire structure with one speech to a nation. Understand the power of that. And in so doing, this nation would be put back on a right path. And we would literally see accountability flow from top to bottom and ultimately bottom up as well in months, not years. And as I sit and I look at these places and, I, and I am, I'm giving you full testimony of my heart in honesty this morning, okay? We we are at 15 weeks since Bards Fest. 16 weeks ago, you wouldn't have find you would not have found this message as deep in my heart as it is today, because God put me through a walk and He's asked me to put myself and follow Him, and His comment has always been "Come closer to me," and for the last almost four months now, I have been pursuing that deeper place next to Him to say, "Father, I'm listening. I don't necessarily always know how to get there, but I'm listening." And he surrounded me with people that have spoke wisdom and life into my heart. And I've listened. And I will tell you, it has not been easy. And I've walked paths that I didn't think I would walk. I've taken you on those paths. I've spoken messages that have caused people to flame up and tell me, like, that's too extreme or this. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, but God's told me to speak it that way. And to try to temper that speech. And I pull back. They try to want me to pull back. And I reflect on it. And every time God says, lean in. Like, okay, I'll lean in. But in the process, the refining that's going on deep in the heart is to understand the greater weaponization of love. And yes, I did use that term, the weaponization of love, because it is the most mighty force that we carry. Because when we understand the power of forgiveness and true sense of forgiveness and love in our heart, and we convey that to another, we can transform this world in the most amazing ways. This prayer this morning is probably, in my opinion, and from a strategic point of view, for this nation in this hour, one of these most important prayers we have ever done here on this channel and on this ministry, much better said. And to honor this show, I just need to highlight this, and I'll speak more about this throughout the week. To truly honor what Bards FM is, it is not a channel. It is a ministry. It is Bards Nation ministry. Bards FM is the, is the channel in which that voice goes out, but Bards Nation is the ministry. And that's been very clear. It's a blessing that's been given to God, by God, to us, to have a place to assemble. That's why we have our quote-unquote congregational place now, which is our, our community online. So as we speak as a community, as, an, as a nation under God, 
under the banner of Jesus, and we're speaking the power of healing and restoration, which is principle to everything we should be doing, to rescue, to heal, to restore. What greater voice in this particular moment right now to ask God to rescue, to allow us to pray for, to, to heal and to restore than Secretary of Defense Austin to bring him back into the fold of the body of Christ, to speak truth to a nation, to hold himself accountable in equal measure that he would hold his subordinates and to watch that hand of justice pivot to change a nation. And in so doing, where would a nation go? It would turn its eyes back to God. And you would bring other faiths with you in the single blow. It's powerful. We can't forget those things. Because from a, when you look at a strategic planning point of view of where is the critical node and where is the where you want to strike, all we have to do is pray and listen to where God tells us to. At some point or another, there may be a Jericho. I don't know. But that isn't for us to create. It would be for God to lead. And as we have talked about Jericho many times here, I think the one optic that we don't talk enough of is the period of the seven days, not in the sense of preparatory for war, but as a pounding the earth, which I believe, and others may disagree, but I believe that seven days represents the opportunity for those within the walls to come forth and repent of their of their ways and to be saved. It doesn't mean they would have been spared the sword, but to be saved. And I don't know if that's true. You know, when I say that, I, I don't know that biblically we can prove that. But it's the sense of my heart. And in so doing, on the seventh time, on the seventh day, nothing happened. And so the walls were torn down and the army was unleashed to do, the, to do what armies do. To kill every man, woman, child, and donkey. That's the ultimate hand of the wrath of God at that extreme. But that seven days represents the whole span of forgiveness. And there's a forgiveness there and a courage that it takes to walk in that place as those soldiers. I've talked about this. When you're sieging a, a wall, you're sieging a city, you are a threat. And in the ways of old, that would mean that you're subject to hot oil being thrown upon you, spears being thrown down upon you. You're subject to being seized yourself. And yet for seven days and seven times on the seventh day, none of that, at least from our record, has ha happened. Joshua's army was protected. And then finally, when nothing happened, meaning the city did nothing to accept God, to seek forgiveness, any of that, on the seventh turn, on the seventh day, the walls fell and the directive was given, and the hands of those soldiers became the hands of God. And that's what I mean so much is that if there is to be a Jericho, it's not by our hand, it's by God's hand. A couple things I just want to highlight here at the end, and it's very important. Stephen Prowse was on the other night. Um, we want to make sure and get you to follow him, his, his work. He's fantastic. He said something at the beginning of the interview which I, don't, I didn't highlight enough, and I really want to come back to as I kind of close out today, and it's this. He was called by our father to print 50 million cards that say, go home. And I, I did, when I first heard it, I misunderstood that because it was, I was thinking he was talking to American citizens, and these were to speak to those that were here illegally. 
and to hand them out and to spread them to people and to encourage these people to go home because they were lied to. When you think about the power of an action like that, and we pray on something like that, and we do these actions to tell these people, you need to go home. You've been lied to. This is not what's going to happen. And you're going to be used in a pawn game of destruction. Save yourself. Go home and do this the right way. If we're an action like that, the ripple effect could be significant because it's speaking truth. It's not trying to give threat. It's not trying to make them to, to try to hate them. We're loving them in a profound way to say, you need to go home. You were lied to. Again, this is a victory for God in something like this. This is fighting with love and the mightiness of this. So let us seek that as our, as our greatest sword. And it is. And so let me close, as I said I would, with 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong and a changing symbol or a clanging symbol, excuse me, just as a, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all the mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it does me no good at all. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong in endured. It does not rejoice in injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as, but as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophecy in part, for our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then, when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part, just in fragments, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and His promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me, 
these three, the choice, the choicest graces, but the greatest, the grace, the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today blessed and humbled before you. And our prayer is that truly of 1 Corinthians 13, to love in such a way that it is enduring, it is overcoming, and it truly anchors us in all things that we do, the greatest of all things, love, to guide us in everything, to root us in everything, that the power of love, we see through that which is before us and see in this world with eyes like you would see. So Father, we pray this morning for the greater blessing and anointings that you can provide the gifts and the talents of this era, that may they be all blessed with the eyes that you see this world, the greatness of seeing in to the hearts of men and women, the greatness of being able to see things in the context of how you see things through the lens of love and the power of forgiveness, to understand truly the sense of praying for an enemy that seems impossible, but yet appreciating the power of, of taking an enemy from where they are, freeing them, and bringing them into the fold of the body of Christ to speak that new truth into the world, to understand how to destroy the enemy's ranks has not to do with the war of the flesh, but always has to do with the war against a heart of theirs that's held captive and to set their spirit free. So Father, we walk now in this place of greater power. We accept this path of greater anointing. And we ask for the blessings to open that path ahead of us, to blaze that trail that we can see, to give us that steps of a discernment as we step in, to lean in mightily in this hour, and to speak with the power and authority that is given to us as the sons and daughters of the Most High. And let us speak boldly into this world. Let us speak from kingdom into this world. Let us understand that victory was given to us on the cross, and we are now bringing victory into the world. And let us speak with that authority that words carry the power of life and death. Therefore, let us speak with authority and intention, not carelessness. And let us speak with the power of love behind every word that we speak and every breath that we take and every step that we place upon this land. Bless us, Father, with this time and this hour. Guide us. Forgive us for those moments that we stumble. Yet lift us in a way that we feel you and we walk with you. Show us the way forward to get closer to you in the refining fires necessary to burn away the dross. So, Father, we thank you for all that's been given. We pray for a nation that is in a critical hour to find its way from where it is to seek a path from its wicked ways back to the humbleness before the throne. And we pray for the leadership in our nation, that they will themselves be called with a profound power of love to see accountability and to own accountability and to step in in this critical hour to do the right thing, the moral thing, the just thing, the thing that holds them equally accountable to the others. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is like one of the coolest places to be in the entire world in this hour, meaning an entire time of existence in this hour, because we're literally in such a place that we are part and we are frontline seats to the most amazing event in his, human history. And we're part of it. We're not just frontline seats. We're part of this. We're part of this fight in a critical way, in a profound way that truly leaves us as part of history that God's writing. So it's, it's amazing. So, patriots, 
going to have a great show tonight. Tune in because we're going to talk tonight about we are the creditors. And it's important because we are. And we're going to start talking about actions that we can take legally and lawfully in this hour to start denying our enemy territory and power. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.